Welcome to WVU Marketing Communications Today, presented by the West Virginia University Reed College of Media, which offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. We have an outstanding show for you today. Our topic is the power of diversity in communications and media with our very special guest, Toyin Awesu Uhwebu. Toyin is an experienced communications and media relations professional who is passionate about using her skills to help organizations shape public opinion and drive policy changes to build more equitable societies. For the 116th Congress, Toyin served as the Director of Communications for the Congressional Black Caucus, the CBC. As a Director of Communications, Toyin helped the caucus elevate its voice on critical issues affecting the Black community, as well as its position on U.S.-Africa policy. Prior to the CBC, Toyin was a Senior Communications Manager for the National Democratic Institute, where she was responsible for both communications and government affairs for the Institute's Sub-Saharan Africa, Asia, and Gender programs. Toyin's professional experience also includes working in Lagos, Nigeria for five years as the head of marketing and corporate communications for a leading investment bank. She is a board member for the 2021 Africa Policy Accelerator at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, an initiative designed to prepare the next generation of US Africa policymakers in Washington. An ardent communications professional Toyin has facilitated communications trainings around the world and participated as a communications expert on social justice, U.S.-Africa relations, and diversity, equity, and inclusion panels. Toyin received her Master of Science degree in Integrated Marketing and Communications from West Virginia University and a Bachelor of Arts degree in Journalism from Temple University. Hello, Toyin, and welcome to the show. Hello, Amy. Thank you for having me. Um, This is, I'm excited to be here and um, I'm really looking forward to this, this discussion and just because it's so passionate, um, I'm so passionate about it and it's, you know, a part of my day to day, um, you know, role in the communications field and as we're looking at uh, the changes we're seeing internally, but also externally. Well, you you have such an incredible incredible background and we're honored to have you on the show to address really such an important topic. As you know, today we'll be focusing on the intersection of diversity and communications and newsrooms around the country and how the shifting demographics of the United States plays a big role in this. We'll also discuss how effective communications can impact policy decisions, brand perception, product marketing, civic engagement, and much more. And how we must harness the power of diversity to determine how and what we communicate. I mean, these are some critical and truly highly relevant issues facing us today. Can you start us off by explaining what diversity in communications and media looks like in 2021? Diversity in communications Uh, in the media in 2021 looks like a lot of things. But I think most importantly, it's going beyond just race. It's looking at cross-cutting skills, 
people's backgrounds, gender, sexual orientation, religion, educational backgrounds, professional experiences to ensure that our communications and media newsrooms are representative of the United States and the changing demographics of our country. For me personally, I believe that diversity is not just about race because we often hear, you know, people, black people say, you know, they are not a monolith and that applies to almost all, you know, all other racial groups. And so I think when organizations are looking at how are they approaching diversity, they need to be able to look at it from a full spectrum. And I'm not just saying, you know, check the box, but do check the box. I think that there has to be some intentionality for this to actually uh, become the norm in, in organizations. Leaders must truly ask themselves, are their teams diverse? And, you know, are they able to, with the current structure and team that they have, are they able to uh, respond accordingly to the the interest in and in ways of, of the American people? I think more organizations um, and newsrooms really need to begin having that honest conversation about what they stand for and what they want to achieve and evaluating if what they have currently support that supports it. Um, and, you know, what this means in having diversity on your staff, it's, you know, the positions that people play, their ability to bring all that they are um, in those roles and, and also, you know, equal compensation. And so, you know, again, it's not just about checking the box to say, oh, I have this one person in this role. And so now we're diverse, but can the people who are in these roles actually be their full selves? And I think that's what comes into the, you know, equity and inclusion part of diversity. So, you know, diversity is making sure that we have, you know, these kinds of uh, voices uh, making communications decisions or uh, also uh, actually doing the communicating, but also, you know, are they able to fully be themselves and fully bring these perspectives and be comfortable and confident um, in their roles as communications professionals or media professionals in doing that? I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's not only diversity of background, but also that diversity of thought, you know, that really enriches our experiences. It allows for more informed decision and it leads to more insightful outcomes. So to that point, you know, how important is it for an organization to develop a communications team or newsroom with diversity as a major priority? Well, the first thing is leadership needs to understand that diversity is a benefit. It's not a hindrance. It's not saying that we're going to uplift these kinds of perspectives and these other perspectives no longer are important. And I think oftentimes that threat sometimes hinders how diverse uh, a team is or you know how far they allow for diversity and inclusion to really uh, permeate communications uh, activities. But I think that if you see it as a benefit, that when you have this at the table, you get, you got more ingredients, you have more flavors to the pot and it makes the soup more, you know, taste better. And I think looking at it from that perspective really helps a, a leader prioritize diversity. And I think that diversity is also really important because it's a reflection of the demographics of the country. You want your communications teams and your newsrooms to reflect, you know, 
the people. And, and what that does is it helps you bring these perspectives. And I think, you know, as communications professionals, we're trying to resonate, you know, our role is, our job is to resonate with people and to, um, you know, force a, a particular type of change or shape public opinion. And I think when you don't have all of these, you don't have a myriad of perspectives at the table to also learn from each other, then you are you really being able to put the best uh, message forward. Last July, um, you know, NBC Universal Group's uh, Caesar uh, Conde set a goal of 50% diversity in the newsroom. That is amazing for a leader to come out and say, you know what, I've identified, we are actually not performing um, to our best capacity because we lack in diversity. And so therefore, we're setting out this goal for diversity in our newsroom. You know, a news organizations, we have the unique, you know, responsibility to reflect the country and all the communities that we serve. And, you know, that's a statement directly from him. And that's exactly true, whether you are at the NBC Universal Group or you're working on Capitol Hill or you're working in a corporate organization or in a nonprofit organization, we need, we have that responsibility. And while I will have one perspective. It's also equally important for me to engage my colleagues who have different perspectives so that we can be the most effective in the work that we're doing. Um, and we're seeing this in newsrooms as well. Um, and, you know, and just in some of the visual representations of, you know, anchors on, on uh, in the news and the types of stories that they're reporting on, the, the way they're reporting of the stories, we're not, you know, I'm not saying that we're, we're doing this, we're already where we should be, but you can see that shift and you're seeing organizations make that shift and being more intentional in how they communicate um, factoring in the diversity of our country right now. Well, to dovetail on that, you know, how have uh, consumer expectations and the shifting demographics influence how and what we communicate? Yes, it has definitely uh, shifted. Uh, These sh the shift in demographics have influenced how we communicate. Um, I was recently looking at some of the feedback from Brookings Institute on some of the early results of the surveys released from the 2020 census. And it tells us a lot of things. It's telling us that there's rising racial and ethnic diversity among millennials, Gen Z, and younger groups. And they and this target audience comprises a majority of the nation's residents. As communications professionals, that automatically sets off a light bulb. You know, what is important to this target audience, these groups? What interests them? What are things that set it off positively or negatively for them? What are their areas of concerns? And how does my organization respond to that? Or what is it that we offer that will respond to that? And I think as communications professionals, we need to always have the external environment in mind. And so even if you don't, if you don't have those resources in-house to gain those perspectives, you're not going to be able to actually be effective in helping you know your organization reach the, the target audiences of who we are right now um, the generational divide in diversity um, we're looking at also a cultural generation gap and so that is down to you know the way people you know have public opinion on certain issues their political choices 
what they like to do or don't like to do, how they want to be engaged, what are the issue areas that are now important that weren't um, maybe mainstream even just 10 years ago. I think sometimes we look at the shifts from like the 60s or the 70s so far back, but I think that we can even look at just changes within the last five to 10 years, or even the change of how organizations have had to communicate during this pandemic and how they've had to use social media or not use social media to, you know, for crisis control uh, or to, or to reach out to, to new groups of people on specific issues that have become mainstream. Um, Last summer, we saw uh, the rise or the, the, the national awareness around issues of police brutality and, and the need for police reform. And that, you know, took, uh, that became front and center. And I think that we, you know, and that was off the heels of, you know, the protests um, in, in the sh- across the country and the issue areas that were important to people. And so as you saw organizations and various newsrooms immediately responding to that, and if they weren't responding to that, the backlash that they were receiving from it. So I think that our communications cannot afford to not respond to consumer expectations and the shifting demographics of of this country. Well, on a more personal level, um, could you tell us about a time when you experienced the power of diversity and communications? And is there a time where you wondered to yourself, uh, who approved that campaign? Um, Well, there's a couple of times, but I will say that I've been on a team where I was the only female, only black person and only person of color. And What that did for me is that it also helped me provide the team with an opportunity to see things from my perspective, but also helped me realize that I can't always expect someone to see things from my lens because that isn't their lived experience. And so, you know, we've had, we had instances, you know, on the team where, you know, I would share a perspective about something or an image that we would use and how that image, um, told this particular type of story or, um, you know, condemn this particular type of group of people in a way that we weren't intending to. And so just talking to my colleagues and realizing that they don't, they didn't necessarily see it from this perspective, not intentionally, but that just hasn't been their lived experience. And so being able to have frank conversations in, in, on my communication team was really important to me um, and just and not automatically just ready to say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you didn't see that, or, you know, automatically just looking to um, come down on the person or just be upset, but l- l- using it as a learning experience and also getting you know, all, you know, their feedback as well and, and teaching and learning. And so I think that, um, you know, that what for me that experience showed me the power of diversity and i was you know hope that more people with those perspectives would be added to the team so that the the communications of the organizations would be more targeted me more um would resonate more with with the people and not just domestically in that case but also internationally i think one of the 
another thing that's really important about having these voices, we're already seeing this with the importance of, you know, having black voices or having people of color, you know, engage about the vaccine, uh, the COVID-19 vaccine, because of the historical challenges um, and, and, and issues faced in the past. And so without these, you know, faces and being able to say, hey, look, these are actually, you know, our communication challenges. And therefore, we need to do XXX to have this group of people actually feel more confident about taking the vaccine. And so we were seeing more Black doctors use social media, appear on news shows, write op-eds on this, all communication tools um, to reach the target audience. And I think that if, if they didn't do that, we'd probably be seeing even more hesitancy um, from people uh, wanting to take the vaccine. And so also identifying, you know, what potential communication challenges you might have and making sure that you have those diverse voices to help you um, reach your target audience and to help you overcome that barrier is really critical, uh, especially in this phase. I think one of the campaigns that I guess more recently I'll remember was Macy's Day. I'm actually a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority. And this year was our, you know, centennial, I'm sorry, it was a, it was last year. And the, it, yeah, so that this was actually not this year, it was last year. It was, I think, the Macy's Thanksgiving or Christmas parade. And a social media post went out uh, because the Zeta Phi Beta team who was performing, it, they described them as a dance group. And the uproar on social media was, uh, it was so much. And people were really upset that Zeta Phi Beta, a historically Black sorority, a member of the Divine Nine, uh, these were organizations that have been the pillar pillars in African in the African American community being described as a dance group. And now there's nothing wrong with you know a dance group, but that's not what they are, nor is that what they were doing. And so for many people, it was just another example of you know the newsroom not having someone or people to be able to say this is incorrect. Uh, this is not who they are, or simply even just knowing that that is not what they are. And, you know, that kind of post coming, you know, on the heels of, you know, us having our first Black uh, woman of color uh, and woman vice president who is a member of one of these organizations, Alpha Kappa Alpha, and at least all of the news around what Alpha Kappa Alpha is and you know, some of these other sororities and fraternities, it was like a shocker. Like, here we go again. Like has the newsroom or whoever was doing the social media uh, at Macy's just didn't know or who approved this message. Um, I will say that the immediate backlash like instantly had that post, uh, Macy's took that post down and someone else rewrote it, uh, you know, also highlighting the history of Zeta Phi Beta sorority, what the, how important the centennial uh, is for the organization and, you know, what the organization has done. And I, you know, while I'm not at Macy's and I wasn't on that social media team, I really wondered how 
that could have occurred. And, you know, a lot of things came to my mind, but one of them being there probably is not that much diversity on that team, or they didn't make it a priority to get a full understanding of what this organization is and, you know, making sure that even if there wasn't someone um, there who was African-American or in the sorority, that they were making um, diversity uh, a priority and ensuring that they were covering this very important Black organization correctly. So that's probably my most recent. <laughs> and there's been quite a number of others. I was doing some research. You know, I remember the Vogue cover. Um, there's some discrepancies. There's some you know, thoughts about why that particular picture was used and which one you know, showed the vice president in her best light and which one was just a, uh, you know, was not so positive of her. Um, and you know, there've been several other campaigns, but I guess because that one hits close to home and I remember it so well um, and the conversations around it, you know, I wanted to use that one as an example. That's an excellent example. And uh, to that point, you know, what soft skills can communications professionals acquire to help them really shape their strategy or messaging for leadership? Well, some soft skills that I have, you know, utilized in my career, I think, you know, and again, because they're soft skills, they're not necessarily something you're going to pick up in a book or in a class. But some basic things like engaging your networks. Don't be afraid to do this. I may be an African-American woman, and but that doesn't mean I know everything. And that doesn't mean that I have every lived experience. And so, you know, me engaging my networks and people from different parts of the country and even different parts of the world as I can also help shape my perspective. Sometimes I need a you know, a European, uh, you know, insight to a certain particular issue and how are things being handled in the UK? Um, I think being able to do that and, you know, taking that step and engaging my networks to help me get someone that I can talk to to give me um, those perspectives is really important. I think internally on teams, it's also important for conversations between colleagues so that you can gain those perspectives, even if you think the question might be dumb. Um, oftentimes, uh, the person would be more happier to give you that insight, share with you the challenges, what this community, you know, what ticks them, what they enjoy, what they don't like. Here's what you should not say. Here's how you should say it. These are sensitive areas. Um, will not be seen as a, a dumb question. I think being able to be vulnerable as a communications professional and having an open mind is a great way to learn. It forces you to challenge your norms. Um, Another thing that, you know, you could do is, you know, study campaigns that receive negative backlash and learn why, learn why it happened and who it offended. Some of these things are repetitive. And so organizations who don't take the time to see why that happened or what they might be doing that could also result in the same thing happening, you're not, you're not going to go far. And sometimes it's just bad timing. I mean, I've been a part of a, you know, an initiative that it was just bad timing and the incident happened at just the wrong time. And so we had to do some damage control around that. But I think we have to be 
sensitive to the climate that we're in. And so we also have to have our ear to social media about what people are saying. That's one of the things I probably would have, when I look back at that moment, I would have done is, you know, making sure that I explain, look, in this moment right now, this particular thing that we're trying to do is going to result in a backlash because, you know, tensions are high right now. People are not interested in seeing anything like that. People will get upset about stuff like that. It's just not the climate. Maybe eight months ago, sure, great, no big deal. But right now, this isn't the right thing to do. And we need to have our ear to social media, not just, you know, having an ear to what is happening in the mass media, but what's happening on social media, because we need to listen to what people are saying, um, listen, uh, listen to the, sen- or rather, uh, see the sentiments of what people are saying on a particular uh, issue. Um, when I was at WVU, there was a book that we had to read and it was focused on listening to the groundswell. And what this does is it, it allows you as a communications professional to also go beyond your network and see how people are feeling about a particular issue before you decide to come out there and you know draft this particular quote for whoever it is that you're drafting it for or before your organization writes a press statement, how you should write that press statement, or if this campaign should be adjusted this way, because right now people are not positively responding to this type of word or this type of, um, you know, or this type of product or this type of situation. I think being able to go beyond your network and really seeing, or not just going beyond your network, but, you know, stepping outside of your day-to-day job and seeing where other people have failed and what has caused those failures and making sure that you're taking them into uh, consideration as you develop your communications campaign is, is a soft skill that you can use to help you shape your strategy and messaging for leadership if you're in that kind of role. Well, that's an excellent point. You know, the power of social listening and social monitoring, you know, those are excellent tools that really we all should be taking advantage of. Um, You mentioned uh, the vice president earlier. What will be the role of communications in this new administration, both domestically and internationally? Well, good thing, Uh, maybe because I'm going to you know, because I'm a female, the communications team is all female, and but they're all from different backgrounds. And so again, it's not just about checking the box that, oh, they're all females. If you look, they're all from different backgrounds, um, you know, race, their um, organizations that they've worked in, their academic backgrounds. And so what that does is it brings a variety of perspectives, thoughts, how we should say things, what we should say, what's good, what's not good, what will people like, what will people not like, are we reaching our base, are we reaching the people that are not our base, but these issues are important to them. And, you know, we're already seeing the power of this messaging um, across the administration. We're seeing this in how uh, President Biden is communicating with the public on issues, on things that are of importance, on you know racial equity, on climate change, on his priorities um, as a as a president, and also speaking to the the current issue that's impacting everyone and COVID nineteen. And so, I think that you know we've tried it one way in the past. And I mean, 
wouldn't be a bad thing to try it another way. That doesn't mean that I'm saying that we, you know, all female teams have to be the the way, even though my board at the C at CSIS and our Africa Policy Accelerator this year, we're all females, but, uh, you know, we're all females from different backgrounds. And so I think just the most important thing is having those having diversity, but also looking at the layers of what diversity looks like. I think that's going to continue to play a, a, a critical role in how this administration communicates domestically and internationally. Um, you know, internationally communicating our shared values to our allies, but also rebuilding relationships. Um, today, the president, you know, he had a message to the African Union Summit participants and for me, it was very refreshing. It was, it, it struck a tone of partnership, mutual respect, support, you know, and not referring to African nations as, as whole countries as they have been in the past. And I think when you, when you're looking at, you know, mending broken relationships, it's going to be in how you say it. And words are very important. And I'm, and we're already seeing how the right words will help uh, this administration be able to rebuild those relationships, identify new areas of relationships, but also making sure that they're, you know, supporting Am American uh, Americans and the goals of our uh, economy as well. And so, you know, what are important? What's going to be important to the people? It's it's one thing if we're doing it in policy, but if we're not effectively communicating it, there's a there will be a a gap and not just and knowing that you're not just communicating it to a policy audience or to uh, you know diplomats but making sure that the people on ground understand that and so using language that resonates with them is going to be very important but in order to do that you need to have those kind of perspectives at least at the table and a team willing to gain those perspectives even if they aren't uh, you know that if they don't have it immediately at the table, who can we engage to help us better understand the best way to, to uh, reach those audiences? Absolutely. Um, I think we have time for one last question. Uh, looking ahead, what are your 2021 communications predictions? Well, looking ahead and you know, just looking at what we've seen so far, at least in this first month of the year, I do believe we can expect to see more companies putting diversity, equity, and inclusion at the forefront of their communication strategies. Those who don't will feel the pinch in their bottom line. You know, people are, people will not support it. Uh, people will not buy from you. And with the power of social media, we can see that amplified at extremely heightened levels. And so, you know, organizations can no longer put that on the back burner or just say that they're doing it and tick the box. They really need to make this uh, at the forefront of their communication strategies. And that includes um, at the forefront of, you know, hiring and making sure that they are um, expanding their reach to get those kinds of, of voices at the table and to bring that mixture to their communication strategy. So I think we'll see more of, of that in terms of, um, of organizations, you know, hiring and also, you know, 
organizations making that a priority for the work that they do and how they do their work. You'll see a lot of that interwoven into a company's goals and objectives um, because that's what's going to be really important to people. Um, I also think that we'll see more companies being thoughtful in their engagement just because now, you know, one wrong mistake could put you in a social media crisis. And I think that organizations will see that it's not about just constantly communicating it's going to be what we communicate because we don't want to make that we don't want to make that you know one mistake and so you'll see volume you'll see quality become more of a priority than necessarily volume i also think that companies will they won't fret too much when they do get into a when they do trend or you know face a social media crisis because there's a crisis and a new fire the next day. Maybe 30 minutes later, you're not even trending anymore. Um, so I think that, again, it'll go back to quality versus volume, but I also think that organizations won't feel, or, or you know, organizations and, and you know, leadership may not necessarily fret too hard on, uh, you know, when they do face these kinds of things just because, something else comes up immediately. I also think we'll see more authentic stories and less reliance on celebrity voices. Um, there's just been, you know, there's constantly a different type of backlash. And also people, we're in an era right now where people want to hear real people, want to see real experiences. They want to see, um, you know, real people, uh, you know, not always a celebrity they want to see someone who represents them if you're selling you know a, a product they want to see do you have me in mind um, I think there will continue to be um, a rise in social media influencers but I do think that more people will be looking to go beyond just is this what this influencer buys uh, is this what this influencer says and does just because uh, a lot of things have been demystified these last, especially during COVID-19. And, um, you know, we're seeing more authenticity in, you know, in just general people and how they are communicating. So using, you know, TikTok and, and, and Twitter and, and Instagram reels and all of this kind of stuff, we're just seeing real people. And we're, and, and, and that's what is, is, is effective. And I think we'll continue to see that this year. Latoyan, it has been such an honor having you on the show today and truly a privilege to be a part of this conversation. Thank you for joining us and sharing your incredible experience and insights. I have just one more question. How can our listeners contact you or find you online? Great. So I have a LinkedIn page, which is, you know, just under my name. I'm also on Twitter. I, my handle is Miss Curly T85, and that's M S and then Curly C U R L Y and T and then 85. So I'm on Twitter. Um, you know, tweets are my own, as, as they say. And of course, you know, uh, I can also be reached via email, and I'm happy to have you all share my personal email. I always love. Um, getting feedback from other WVU students and just uh, alumni in the network as well. And it was a great program. I took it quite a number of years ago, but I think it 
truly reshape my thinking about communications and not just going into things from a tactical perspective, but, you know, looking at what are we doing internally, but also what's going on externally so that we make sure that we hit the mark and we make sure that we really reach our target audiences. And so I've carried this along with me into, you know, each one of my roles. And I have to say that, you know, if I could do it again, I would definitely do this program all over again. Fantastic. Well, you've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications today. Thank you for joining us. And again, a special thanks to our guest, Toyan Awesu Ukegu. Be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash MC today to view our upcoming sessions, listen to previous recordings, and subscribe to receive updates. 